All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, you give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly, um, let's take our declaration of understanding. We have just asked the Lord to give us understanding. If you believe the Lord heard you, give me an amen. Amen. You are sure he did? Yes. All right, so let's take our declaration. One, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? Healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 And that's precisely what the Lord will do for you again today. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. the word will enter your heart Amen. to give you life. Amen. Now, life means that. How do I describe life? If you get injured, life means you will get healed. I hope you're getting my point. If you suffer loss, life means you will suffer recovery. <laughs> I hope my English is all right there. Exactly. <laughs> all right? That's what life means. Life means that if you cut a tree, give it time, it will flourish again. That's what life means. So when we say that the word will give you life, that's what it means. That is, if you have suffered loss, recovery is coming your way as a result of the entrance of the word. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will heal in every area. That's an extension of life. That's an extension of life. That's an extension of life. Life heals every form of disease. Anytime you come into the presence of the word of God, please don't forget to expect healing. Expect to be made whole. If you're not feeling well, put the word in your ears. Take a book and read. Life will flow into you. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you will experience today. In Jesus' name. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Last time we finished our discussion on the working of prophecy. And today I want to give an exhortation. I don't um, intend for this one to be a series. We're going to pray in a moment. But I want us to take a small um, time of instruction first. The book of Matthew chapter 14, I want to bring out something from here. What I want to explain today is that we must learn not to let our heart fail. We must learn not to let our heart fail. It's so important. We must learn not to let our heart fail. Our heart must not fail. Let's just read this one quickly, and then I will explain why people's hearts fail. In fact, from here you will see that we will see that thing also. The book of Matthew, chapter fourteen. This was after he multiplied bread and all of that. In verse twenty-two, the Bible says that immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he sent away the crowds, he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land. That is, they had gone, they had left him. The boat was already a long distance from land, but was battered by the waves. For the wind was contrary. The wind was blowing against their direction. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I guess, like, there's no other way to go. 
So let's walk. <laughs> You'll be amazed. This, is, this life, eh? when you think there's no way, go manufacture an unusual way. Yeah, that's what he does. Just when you thought there was no way, he will manufacture something very unusual. The boat had left Jesus behind. Maybe he wanted to go to where they were going, and there was no boat. Look, Jesus was not a showman. I hope you get my point. He wasn't a showman. He doesn't just do miracles. He just let's just do it to scare somebody. Let's do it to just excite somebody. Why did he decide to walk on water? I suppose it was because there was no other boat, and he wanted to go to where the other people were going. So he decided to do what? To walk on water. If there was a boat, he probably would have used the boat. But that's not what we're discussing. What we're discussing is that, verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. I'm going to stop reading here. Verse 27. He said, Jesus spoke to them. He said what? Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Please bear this in mind. I want you to understand something. I've never done this count myself. But it's been said that the Bible contains about two, 365 fear nots. That if you go to the scriptures, about 365 times, you will see the expression fear not. Now, many of us look at it as like admonition that, hey, don't worry yourself, you know, that kind of thing. You know, maybe something, a friend of yours has an issue and you say, look, don't worry, don't worry. Like, it's like, just calm down, just calm down. So it's like a helpful word of counsel. But I want you to understand something. When it comes to God, it's not like that. When it says, do not be afraid, the truth is that if you are afraid, there is something you will lose. The truth is that if you are scared, there's an amount of divine power that you will be denied of. When he said, do not be afraid, what he was saying is that fear actually hurts you. Fear actually hurts people. Two things I want us to address today is fear and anxiety. Those two things, they work together in the same direction. And one major thing they do, all right, or a number of things they do, let me put it that way, one, they deny the flow of the power of God into your life. They do. That fear and anxiety. They create confusion. You start making decisions. These are the two main things I want to bring out. First, they deny the power, the flow of God's power into your life. And number two, they create confusion for you. You start making decisions that are wrong. Two things. Listen, there's something the Lord taught me long ago, all right? And it's just, just practical. I, I learned this as a young boy. I mean, not today. I mean, as a teenager, I learned it. This happened, let me give an example, when I was in university. Okay, let me first tell you what I learned. If everybody's running, I don't run unless I know why you are running. The fact that everybody's running can't make me run. I'm always like, why are you running? If you want me to run, tell me what it is first. You know what I found out? Most times when you find out why, you will not run. Bear it in mind. When people, look, this happened once I was in university. We had a classroom. I was, was, um, I was in one of my clinical years. We had a classroom above a particular, anyway, a particular area upstairs. Now, that classroom, really, <laughs> it was not a good classroom to use for students, really. He had just one entrance, therefore, one exit. One narrow door, not very wide, but it could sit about 100 and almost 200 students could crowd inside. 
And from that door, you had only one narrow staircase to come down. Really, it's not right. I mean, they should have opened another door and created another staircase. So we used to think about it, this kind of funny place. But then one day, I sat in class. Then suddenly, and I can't remember whether I heard it or not. I think I heard the explosion. I heard an explosion. And the whole class got up and began to run. And I was sitting like on the second row, if I remember. But I was among the first two rows. And everybody began to run. Kitty, 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 you know? Kitty, kitty. That is down to the front only exit, remember? So everybody was squeezing. Some took their bags. Some didn't bother. Typical of me. I wanted to know why we should run. Even though I had the first, I mean, I would have been among the first to be able to escape, I didn't. I checked the direction the noise came from. I first went to go and check <laughs> what the explosion was. Meanwhile, I see everybody running, squeezing each other, trampling each other. I went and checked. It was a transformer a few meters away from the building that exploded from, and it wasn't burning. But you could see the smoke. Obviously, there was no danger. It was a single noise. It had ended. So I was now amongst those telling everybody, calm down, calm down, calm down. I didn't run. Well, run for what? I need to know. It's something the Lord taught me. I don't know how long ago. Everybody's running. You won't see me move. And then, of course, one of my senior colleagues told me something like that once. He was going there, that, that CIC road, you know, from where you connect to Aquata, you know that side. So as he was driving, suddenly he saw everybody running. People on foot were running and running. And people driving started turning, you know, sharp turns. So he asked, what was going on? Guess what? Nobody knew. And nobody was telling him. So he, he did like I, I did as a young person. He didn't run. So he slowed down to check what the problem was. Then he discovered what the problem was. Those CIC students came late to school. Those who are wondering what CIC is, College of Immaculate Conception, a secondary school. I know the way it is with secondary school sometimes. So the children were trying to sneak, so their teachers came out to catch the people. So they started running. So two students ran, other people ran. Next thing you knew, the whole street was running. And cars driving past began to turn. And this old man looked at him, what kind of thing? And people were turning and taking off full speed. We are laughing about it. A few years ago, I don't know, do you remember the year? You are the one I trust to remember these things. This guy was running half naked that time, so there's no way to ask him. It's not going to help me. This was around, um, that would be late 90s, maybe around 90, no, around 2000, 2001. The, uh, the um, um, Ikeja cantonment, yes. Something, 2000. Yeah, around that time. About 20 years ago. They had a bomb, is it depository, whatever, where they stored bombs there. And a bomb went off. Now, a bomb is loud. Okay? And then the one, I mean, it was in a bomb store. So a bomb went off. The next one went off. Detonated the next one. So the bomb was just, well, I remember the year because Bola Tinubu was, uh, and the, the commandant of the cantonment, and another person came on air, to tell everybody to calm down. So the bomb kept on going off. Wow! So imagine. Now, I was not in town. I traveled. 
I was living in Lagos then, but I traveled. I went to Benin. So when I came back, that I saw, no, we're no longer living in Lagos. We visited Lagos. I left uh, Lagos. No, I left Lagos. So I think we visited Lagos after that time. That's when we saw the devastation. Now, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is in Ejigbo, which was how many kilometers away from there. Now, in Ikeja cantonment, if anybody died, maybe one person, one soldier or somebody who was on duty in that area. Everybody has moved. Of course, it was a military base, so people moved away. They knew what to do. They knew what was going on. Around, people may have panicked, but there was nothing really they could do. Now, buildings were, they, they, that is, windows were being shattered all down the Kurudu Road. I mean, I'm sure some people will have lost hearing that period. But nobody died in that area. Ejibo, there was nothing less than how many kilometers? Maybe 15 kilometers away. Or more, more than 15 kilometers away. I don't think anything less than 50 people drowned. I can't remember the exact figures. Please, you can go and confirm it. People died. The bomb didn't come near them. They don't know what happened. They just saw people running. And they began to run. And as they were running, they were running into swamps. Oh, they died in the swamps. Of course, you start running, you see grass initially. You think it's grass. It's not grass, it's water. So they take one step, take a second step, run inside. The next, they start sinking. I can't remember, but dozens of people died. They were fishing out corpses from that area because of something that had no chance of killing them. They just heard the sound. It wasn't the sound alone. It was the fact that somebody else ran. Another person ran. And most of those that died were young people, children. They were just running and running. What is happening? They were running, they were drowning. Fear is terrible. Worry is just like that. You start making wrong decisions when you are afraid. God wants to help you. You tell him, God, wait, I'm coming. He said, let me help you. He said, please wait. This is God that wants to help. So that is why when he sees people and it, they are worried, the first thing he tells you is that don't worry. Don't be afraid. Now, it's not a word of advice. It's an instruction for connection with blessing is an instruction so that you will not make wrong choices. Sometimes, you know, I've seen people, I mean, heard of and seen people make decisions. And you ask yourself, why? You are looking, because you don't have the person's perspective of fear. You wouldn't do that in a million years. But this fellow made the decision, you're wondering, why will you do this? I have learned it is fear. It is worry. The person is afraid of what might happen. Now, listen to this. And one of the things that Satan does is to get us into that worry and fear mood. So if you want to succeed in life as a Christian, you have to have a method for tackling worry. You have to have a method for tackling fear. You have to. You know, it's something you will do deliberately. These are things you fight in life. You fight fear and worry. Because actually, they ruin people's lives. They do. You cannot, see, when times you hear me say things, I'm going to say, uh, God said, you know, I said it doesn't, uh, God said to me, God said to you, it doesn't move me much. Not because I don't believe God speaks to people, but I have realized many of these gods spoke to me. People say, how did you hear God in my spirit? Now, when you hear God in your spirit, eh, I personally consider it most unreliable. 
You know why? That spirit, everybody talks through there. God can talk through there. And listen, I know in this area, I differ from many Pentecostal preachers. Okay? All this and I, you, you need to learn how to hear God. I don't preach it. You've, you've not heard me preach it before. I teach people how to fast and pray, meditate on the word of God. That's proper fast now. You know what I mean by that. Not how to go hungry, but how to focus. Yeah, because when I'm talking, you have to know what I'm saying. Some people now go and interpret what you are saying in their own way. What you call fast is not what I call a fast. What most people call fast is I will not eat. What I call a fast is that I will take time aside to concentrate on the word of God. That's what I call a fast. That's what I call a fast. If you are hungry and you are not concentrating on spiritual things, on, on, on a scripture, on prayer, you are not fasting. You are just hungry. You can't be going from shop to shop, marketing. You have not eaten. Tell me you are fasting. Oh boy, you are acting foolishly. I hope you are getting my point. Uh-huh. What I say about fasting is that a Christian takes time aside to focus on God's word. You can go on a 50-day fast. It's possible. How do you do that? It's simple. Take the first three hours of every day for 50 days. What does that mean? Set your alarm. Sleep on time. Sleep on time. Forgo TV. Sleep on time. Be on your bed by 9 p.m. Sleep off. Then set the alarm to wake you up by... Well, you wake up anyway if you are like me. You will wake up one week. Sleep by nine. You wake up sometime during the night. But if you are the good sleeper, set an alarm to wake you up by 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. Then spend three hours meditating on scripture. On the word of God. Maybe listen to the message for like 30 minutes while standing so that you don't fall back asleep. Then meditate on the word of God and think about the matter at hand or different matters at hand. Can be about your ministry, can be about your career, can be about your family, can be about anything. Then you finish that at me around six in the morning or two, okay, two to five. Five, go back to sleep, take one more, one more hour of sleep, and six o'clock, wake, wake up and go about your business. Do you know you can do that for 50 days? I call that a 50 day fast. Just a few hours is a fast. Listen, it is not the fact that you are punishing yourself that makes it a fast. I've seen people that if they don't suffer, they don't feel like they have done anything. Those days when we used to go to the gym, I had a, 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 one of my classmates in school. Say if you go to the gym, it doesn't feel pain. It feels like he has not done anything. I said, Christians, that's how they behave. I found that the fact that you felt pain in the gym does not mean you are building your muscle. If you have sense, you will never feel that pain. You take the, you know, you go, you grade it gradually. The time comes in which you have, you, have, you know, don't bear like this in your hand. It's 40 kg and you're just smiling. Don't try that one, boy. You're breaking too. It's not you I'm talking to. <laughs> I wouldn't go and say, give me two bags of salt. Let me. Don't come into hospital where you do. <laughs> the Lord is good. No, so Christians behave like that sometimes. They just feel like they have to feel pain. It gives them a sense of self righteousness. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Do what I have done, you have fasted. I mean, you're not likely to wake up at 3 a.m. to go and cook, are you? Uh-huh. So at least you're not, hung, you're not you are hungry, if that's what you want. Anyway, food is a distraction at that time. So you just take a few hours, okay, to focus on the water. You can do that again and again and again. That way you can do a 60 day fast and it's not a problem. Say, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Let's not start that one now. Let's just leave it. I just wanted to tell you what I call a fast. Okay? Okay? There are different kinds of, that's one kind of fast. It's another fast God talks about in Isaiah chapter 58. Now, so, I, I teach people, okay, fast, pray, 
But I never tell anybody, practice how to hear the word of God, the voice of God. I never say that. I never say that. Why? I don't believe it's necessary. I don't believe it's necessary. I believe that Samuel did not have to practice how to hear God. God shouted the Samuel heard. I hope you are getting my point. Moses did not have to practice how to hear God. God burnt a bush without the bush burning and attracted his attention. Even Nebuchadnezzar heard from heaven in a dream. Pharaoh saw a dream, a vision of God in his sleep and called Joseph to interpret. I don't believe you need to stress yourself. If God wants to speak, he will. You can't force him. He communicates in different ways. He communicates through circumstances. People say he doesn't, he does. He can close a door. In fact, I was talking to somebody this afternoon. We were just talking about it. He said there was a time he had a lot of crisis. And his wife decided that it is time for them to go abroad for a while. So he listened to what his wife said, let them try. Then he went and applied for a passport, to renew his passport. And it took him six months. How did it happen to him? He found out the city, not our city here, and not Abuja. They told him there was an issue with booklets. Somebody now told him that, look, if you go to Abuja, you'll get it quick. So he decided to go to Abuja. So he told the people there in his own city, no, nah, I think I'm going to discontinue this activity here. They said, no, we have logged into the system. So you can no longer you know, start again, that you have to wait for our own. He turned to his wife. Obviously, God does not want us to go anywhere. And he closed that door. Some people say, yes, I agree with him. I agree with him entirely. That's one way God closes doors. Some of you, God has spoken to you that uh, you should marry a particular sister. You asked her last year, she said no. You asked her this year, she said no. No, you asked her two years ago, she said no. Last year she said no. This year she got engaged to somebody else. And you see, say God spoke to you. I don't think your head is correct. That's what I think. Or that's what I don't think. <laughs> Relax. You like the girl. Don't blame God. Just go and tell her, sis, I may like you, so you don't want to marry me again. I know they might. Hey, live on like that now. Did Jesus not say, when you are persecuted in one city, <laughs> you flee to the next? That's it. And this is the worst one. That one says, guys, the one I cannot understand is women. When women say it, believe me, you are thoroughly, you have a serious problem. God said, God spoke to me that he's, I'm go- he's going to marry me. If God tell, told you that, say, God, go and talk to him first. And please don't talk to me again on this matter. I'm not saying you should be arrogant towards God, but he's not the one that said it. That's what I'm trying to say. Now be there waiting for a man to come and chase you. I, don't you, don't you. Why am I getting angry? I don't even know why I'm getting angry. <laughs> what is it? You'll be believing God for one man. It's very annoying. How many people are angry like me? See, there's nothing wrong with liking people. It's the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. But please don't blame God. Most of these God said to me, God did not speak to me. Most of them is that spirit eh, is full of all kinds of things. That's why I wrote in the book, Guided by the Spirit. You have to purge the spirit. Now, back to the main thing I'm trying to say. And that's what I preach. Purge the spirit. Remove fear. We're talking about fear and anxiety. Many people, fear spoke to them. Anxiety spoke to them. He spoke, listen to this, from their spirit. And he says, God. Because there's this faulty teaching we have in Christianity. Very common. That once it's coming from your spirit, it's correct. It's not true. Your spirit can be polluted. 
So you see, Christianity, you know, a child of God, is your spirit is born again. The born again spirit sometimes gets his feet dirty. How do I know that? Who taught you about the spirit? It's not Paul. The same Paul said, cleanse yourself of what? Of all defilement of what? And spirit. Spirit can be defiled. So let nobody confuse you that once you know, one of the things we learned is that you pray until you can recognize the voice of your spirit. Your spirit can be defiled. The fact that your spirit is born again does not mean it always tells you the truth. It still remains your spirit. I don't want to talk about the use of the word spirit now in scripture. It's vast. There are different things called spirit in the Bible. But let's just stick with this simple use, the way we use it. The way we talk about the spirit of a man, that part of you, human beings being made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Listen to me. Your spirit can be defiled. The fact that you are born again does not mean your spirit is not defiled. Peter looked at Simon the sorcerer, who was born again. Don't argue with me that the Bible says that he was baptized. He also believed, the Bible says, and he was baptized. Yet when he misbehaved, Peter looked at him and said, let's read the whole thing. He said, I see that you are still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. This man was born again, no? He said, you are still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. The man was born again. Please, don't go without them. My spirit is... Listen, just develop yourself spiritually. And that's what I'm going to explain. Because many times people hear from this, their spirit. What do they call their spirit? Thoughts that drop sometimes somewhere deep in their heart. Feelings they have that's intense and does not go away. They say, my spirit. It's one of the most difficult things I have found... Not to understand originally and to teach other people or to understand what other people are saying when they say it. So that's what my spirit said. When you tell me your spirit said, it doesn't impress me. Because jealousy may have entered into your spirit. It happens. Vainglory may have entered into your spirit. The fact that you are, listen, that's even your spirit too. When you hear voice from outside, ah, another one. The fact that you are hearing the voice from outside does not mean it is correct. That's why Jeremiah is dead. God spoke to Jeremiah. He dead anyone that has my word to issue forth my word. He said, the prophets can dream. He said, the people that will get it right are those that have my word. Just the prophet speaking. He said, he that has my word, let him speak it in truth. God expected the prophet to be conversant with scripture. That's it. God expects prophets to be conversant with scripture. Otherwise, you prophesy nonsense. I tell people who have the prophetic anointing. You know, because God has given you a prophetic gift... We tend to listen to you. Be careful. Because I've seen prophets with defy spirits saying things. Oh God, in this life, what you need is understanding. Spiritual manifestation you will have. In Jesus' name. Amen. But the fundamental, you cannot. God will not release spiritual manifestations until you have understanding. Because every time he does, people get into confusion. They are led astray. I've seen it again and again. The first thing God wants to give us is fundamental spiritual understanding foundational spiritual understanding. So when you see a vision, tell the vision, better go and repent when the vision does not align with the word. I've seen many testimonies. I'm not saying people didn't see anything. After all, when um, Jehoshaphat was going to follow Ahab to battle, the prophets that prophesied were inspired. The fact that you are inspired does not impress us. We have seen inspired people lie. They lied by inspiration. How do we know? Because God said, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramos Gilead so that he might perish there? And one spirit said, I will. God said, what are you going to do? 
He said, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. This was a spirit, a being who had intelligence talking to the Lord. And the Lord said, good idea. Now you will go and you will succeed. God decreed success. So those prophets got up and the spirit possessed them. And they began to see victory for Ahab. I saw you slaughter, 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 slaughter. Hey. Makai was looking at them like this. Hey. The Lord said to me, I perceive in my spirit. Oh, <laughs> victory is your portion. You will pursue. You will overtake. You will recover all. They have said, give me money. You know, like an Indian politician. When they gave the prophets money, the spirit intensified. You know, Jehoshaphat has some discernment. He said, no, something's wrong here. Do we have another, spirit, another prophet? That was when they called Micaiah, actually. Micaiah said, <laughs> let me summarize it. Micaiah said, all this pursue, overtake, all of that. He said, they are all lies. One prophet looked at Micaiah. Are you all right? You know why he said so? He was inspired. He had inspiration. Are you trying to say, I don't have inspiration? When did, this, when did the spirit of the prophet leave me and then start possessing you? Micaiah said, let me tell you guys what happened. You were inspired by a lying spirit. That's why this, I heard my spirit, it doesn't impress me. Because I don't know. You, you need to show me the certificate of cleansing. Until you give me the certificate of cleansing, I cannot trust your spirit. So when you tell me your spirit said to me, you say, I think. I, I, I feel strongly. I'm convinced. This is what I really want. Just say it like that. Don't try, and, don't try and blame God for this decision you are about to make. That's why I wrote, I think it's inside that out, living by divine wisdom or um, habit of faith and other sermons. You can get it or, or, or you look for the sermon directly on our website. I talked about own that decision. One of the things you must learn to do in life as a Christian is to make that decision your own. Yeah, I know it's God that said it to you, but t- accept responsibility. As if you are the one that decided. You can't be telling a woman five years after you married that it's God that said I should marry you. You know what you are telling her? I regret it. After five years, you'll have discovered the reason that you made the right decision yourself. I, I make a joke about my wife. She says, I'm only telling her matter in public. Okay, if I don't tell your matter, whose matter will I tell? I make a joke with her all the time that an angel introduced her to me. And then she said, come, I want to show you to somebody. He's, you are going to marry him. Do you understand? She said she didn't hear anything like that. I said, what gave you the boldness that day to come and talk to me? I just finished preaching. You know, when a man is anointed, you don't just walk over to an anointed man of God and start talking to him. <laughs> and the angel didn't force me. The angel just said, wait here. That's the banky, look. And I looked. And we are here today. <laughs> I've not been blaming God every day. Just God. If not for God, we won't be here. Even God will be tired. It's okay. Give me my wife back, Abby. Give me. I don't want to I'm not giving you again. Well, after a while, the, the decision of God should become your own decision. You should have seen the wisdom in his decision for you to want to agree with him. 
Please, I'm saying all of these things. So let's do, when Christ said, that, eh, hear your spirit. I said, relax. This is your spirit talking. Don't worry. You make it look as if God doesn't like to talk. He likes to talk. He's where the ones that can't hear. In fact, he has spoken everything already. You hear the one that you're able to hear. And what are the reasons we can't hear? That's why I'm talking about it. One of those reasons, fear and anxiety or worry. They becloud the spirit. You will hear things God did not say. So what I teach about that is simple. Say, so go and cleanse your spirit. Cleanse your spirit. In that book, Guided by the Spirit, which if you are listening to this, you can easily get on our website. Just go to pastor.ng. Go to the section of books. If you are doing it on your uh, mobile, you have to click on menu. Everything will drop open. Click on books. You see they're Guided by the Spirit. It's free to download. All our books are free to download. I explained that, that you have to cleanse your spirit, purify your spirit in different areas. In fact, we use M, a number of M's. How many M's? Can't remember. And I wrote the book, but I didn't read it after. I'm not reading it in a long time. How many people have read the book? Is it five M's? Not up to six. One, motives, method, mind, mind being how you interpret things. Okay, motives, obviously, the reason why you are doing what you are doing. What else? Material things. Money. Yes. Money and material things. We put about five or six of them. She said five, all right? She's a very good student of the world. So she said five. Let's believe it's five I wrote in there. Can't remember for sure myself, all right? But all of these things, they tend to cover every aspect of life. Why are you doing what you are doing? Go and purify it. I was talking, if that's the same person I was talking about today, talking with today. Something led to it. We're talking about, he's a medical professional, all right? So we're talking about issue, you know, they were joking. Say, ah, you should go to Saudi, not to send somebody. Say, I look like you need money. Better go to Saudi. We're just talking about it. So he and I started talking. He asked me a few questions. I said, I've learned in this life. I said, God has taught me something. I don't do things purely because of the money that's going to accrue to me as a result. We talked about many things. He said it is true. Now, that's when he told me that story about his passport. That God has a, he has a will in everything. He has something that he has decided. I said, so when you are moving up and down, the only thing that's pushing you is money. I said, no. God has taught me never to get involved. Do you know, it's very funny. I may joke about it, but you know, God even taught me if you are at a, in a place now we're supposed to go, I'm supposed to leave, maybe at a function. And I say, okay, I tell my wife, come, let, let's be going. Someone now said that the, the food will soon arrive. The Lord has taught me never to use that as a decision, as a reason to wait. If you are going, go. If I use that one to, you know, next time I'm still there, say food is coming, I'll keep waiting. God will let the food come. I will eat. That's diarrhea for two days. Everybody has to be healthy. So I've learned, if I'm planning to go and I'm going, they say, food is still coming. They say, don't worry, I can buy food on the way. Because the bank, you don't be waiting around because of food. What's wrong with you? Do you want to be tempted beyond measure? You want to be kidnapped? <laughs> so motives matter in everything we do. What's our mind? Mind means how do we interpret things? What's your perspective about life? These are the things you purify. I don't want to teach about that in details now, of course, we don't have the time. These are the things you purify so that you can hear well. God said whatever he wanted to say, say long ago. And many times, you don't have to hear anything. Once you purify these things, your natural decision as a child of God, feeding on the word of God, will be the correct one. Please let me sit on my message again. Fear is what I'm talking about. Fear makes people do terrible things, wrong things. It makes them go against the will of God. It hinders the power of God from flowing into their lives. Fear does that. Worry and anxiety, that's what it does. People cannot do what is right. 
There's one story I'd like to tell. Of course, all of us have read it. Let's just read it again. The story of Hagar. Genesis. Of course, remember the story? Abraham sent Hagar away because of, um, of course, the word of God. Let's just um, let's summarize it like that. Genesis chapter 21. Sarah said that she, he should send Hagar away. Abraham initially was not in agreement, but God now said, okay, go ahead. Do exactly as she said, because she knew the counsel of God. She was right. Abraham was the one being emotional at that particular point in time. So, he gave her a little package. Verse 14. So, Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder. And he gave her the boy, that is Ishmael, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered around it about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, that is sometime, some distance away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard a lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? What's the first thing she said? Read it aloud. For what? Do you notice that God didn't hear the voice of Hagar? It was the voice of the boy. And to let you know it's not the mistake, it was repeated twice. The first time, a few verses, I jumped it earlier. God heard the lad crying. Verse 17. Hagar was crying too. God didn't hear that one. God heard the voice of the lad where he was. And then so God said to Hagar, what? Do not fear. Next instruction. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and went and filled the skin with water, and gave the lad, to, the lad a drink. Now, notice this, okay? I said to us earlier, fear will not let the power of God flow. So for God to be able to show her where water was, he had to eradicate fear first. He didn't say, come and see water. Then she, will not, she won't be afraid anymore. He first told her, don't be afraid. As long as you're afraid, you won't see my provision. As long as you're afraid, you will not see where the well is. Was that well dug at that moment? I doubt. I seriously doubt. The well was there, but fear and anxiety did not let her see it. There are opportunities around many people, but fear and anxiety will not let them see. So one of the things you must fight first in life is that fear and that anxiety. It's so important. Worry. You have to fight it. You have to fight it. It's crucial because if you don't, you will miss what God wants to do in your life. You will miss opportunities. The power of God will not be able to get to you. So that's why when he comes, the first thing he says what? Don't be afraid. Why is it so important to him? For those two reasons I said. So that you will not miss the power of God. And number two, so you don't make wrong decisions. And I was saying to us earlier, Satan, you know what he does? Fear is what he uses. You know, I like to say this again and again. Satan doesn't have the kind of power that people think he has. He has to use tricks. This is one of his tricks. He has to cut you off from the supply of the Spirit of God. 
He has, to, he has to cut you off from the supply of the power of God. He has to confuse you until you jump into the Ejibo swamp by yourself. So when you, you are hearing explosions in the distance, they say Russia has crossed Ukraine and they has reached Nigeria. And you'll be, do you get my point? You, you won't ask yourself, how did they? You, of course, you, you, you never like geography, so I don't blame you for not knowing where Ukraine is as compared to Nigeria. They cross Ukraine and reach Nigeria. You're not even thinking about it. Start running. Then you jump into a swamp, jump into a well, jump into something, jump from the high-rise building, just jump and die. Then someone will not tell your dead body, how will Russia have crossed Ukraine and reached here? Do you guys have a problem in Russia? Over that time, you are dead. That's what Satan does. It's tricks. One of our brothers told me something once. Eh? It was amazing. He said one day he sat down and he heard, he was young, just finishing NYSE. He heard people talk about Nigeria. That was about 15 years ago. He said, I didn't know when he started crying. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He heard people discuss the country. He broke down and began to weep. He saw his future in front of him bleak. He saw nothing good would ever happen to him. And do you know since then, God has blessed him tremendously because he had to overcome that. That's why I was telling me the story. He said, one day people sat down. They finished talking with him. And his spirit melted. It was one of the methods by which God cleared um, the promised land for the, for the people of Israel. He made them hear, hear news. They heard rumors. They said, ah, you've not seen the Israelites. Mm. Those boys from Egypt, each one of them has six heads. Eh? Those guys say, six heads? Yes. When they are fighting you, you think they are six people. When they throw a stone, each one is like a rock, a big rock. Where they did that day, when they entered the land of the Hittites, one of them blew. It turned to hurricane. Say, eh? And you are sitting here waiting for them. Those guys packed their bags and ran. <laughs> if you are a minister of the gospel, please let me beg you. Your assignment in life is called, is called what? Good news. You propagate what? Good news. Now, please, that does not mean you don't speak of divine judgment. But divine judgment means you are telling people to do what? Repent. Change their ways. That there is good, it's actually, it's good news. If you tell judgment coming, and that makes people change, it's good news. You've helped them. So if you're a minister of the gospel, ask yourself, am I actually ministering good news to people? When people finish hearing you, is it that their faith has increased or their anxiety level increased? That's a test of whether you're in effective ministry or you are not. Your anxiety level, is it people's anxiety level, all right? Does it increase when they listen to you or it reduces? I've seen pastors, they finish, they finish preaching. You feel like a failure. Your mates, and then look at, look at where you are, look at where your mates are. And then if they finish, you want to steal. A pastor preach to you at the end, you want to steal. And it's worse when it's a pastor that does it. A different, listen, please, if you're a minister, be careful. But what I wanted to refer to earlier was when some of our ministers began to wipe out faith from the population. It was a terrible time because it, I, I felt sorry for a lot of people. Their faith went, disappeared. The people were still considering, what do I do, what, what do I not do? They hear some things. They do, look, what they will do is clear. A man of God has said it. For me, what was more painful was that we are fighting for something. Just told people, run. They are armed. The sons of Ephraim, they were armed. They have the word of God. They have the prophetic word of the spirit. They have the name of Jesus. You are telling them, run. You know the way I preach? I say, stay there. Let's die. 
Let it be that. I mean, come on, go, go and read your scriptures. David and his men will stand. Giants are attacking. They say, this beings now our own. They fight to, de- to, to defend a field of lentils. These men will stand back to back with their sword in their hands. Say, this thing, you will not make us hungry. We will defend this land. At the end of the day, 300 people are gone. I'm going to begin to preach, all right? In fact, I've started already. For us to experience the power of God in our lives. Those things, David, is, have you seen Chinese movies? You should watch a few more Chinese movies. It's good. I used to think those things were folktale. They are not. Those things you see Chinese people do, they, they happen. One person, it's in your Bible. If Chinese film is not true, your Bible is not true. Don't you see David do it? The mighty man of David, you saw what they did. The man will get angry, run, rush a lion in a pit. You know what it means to be in a pit? You can't go anywhere. You know what they call cage fight? Those of you who watch wrestling, that's what they call cage fight. They lock the two in a cage. Fight till somebody dies. Some of the men of David will jump inside. Say, Lion, oh yeah, now. Say, Lion, there's just, see, there's an agreement here. Only one person is climbing out of here. The lion said, Nasu. The guy said, Nasu. I have jumped inside here on a day that is snowed. Go and read those stories. Why am I saying it? In this is your life, you will see it again. <laughs> Somebody listening to me will be in a village, headsmen will attack. Only you will shout and they will carry their guns and start running. What they saw, you will never know. And that you will say to them, if I see you near here again, and you will hear them speaking for full day, but you will hear it clearly, that God will never come back. Uh-uh. What am I say? Don't let anybody scare you. You have to walk full of faith. Whatever you need to do, pump your faith up. I've told you before, stop going to a church that by the time you come out, your faith is down. Oh, the big, big boys in Enugu. I heard that they don't catch the guy three, is it four, three four days ago. But I was, you know what I'm talking about? Many people are laughing, they've heard. They say one of the people that, Israel, that, is, he, is he your friend or came with Israel? <laughs> Who was going to tell you that they've carried? Okay. So one of the people that gave that guy money, committed suicide yesterday. All some of these big people, that young people are, you know. So let me speak my, what I want to preach now, I'm preaching in English. They swear why I don't swear for love in that, eh? Those who are confusing young people, they swear will catch every one of them one by one. Yeah, yeah it will catch them. Because, remember, this, this, this joker was driving around town, big, big vehicles, spending money anyhow. Those of us that have sense, we said, this boy must be a thief. Because even Dan Gotti will not spend money like this. Now they have arrested him. People are now waking up to reality. And the thing they arrested him for, we know it's not even half of the truth. Definitely involved in things more nefarious than that. What am I saying? Please, oh, pastor, don't discourage young people. Don't discourage young people. Let them know the truth. It is good for a young man to be as burden in the day of his youth. If you are poor, now it's not a big deal. Even if they dash you, you should go and sow it as a seed somewhere. Uh-uh. You know what they are selling for? <laughs> Do you get my point? So young man will be believing God for car. You can't buy for it. What you should believe God for is an Uber taxi. So that you, are you getting my point? 
you carry a few people, votes. <laughs> so the passenger will pay for your fuel and his own. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's what you should be doing. You want to be doing, be doing luxury. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. Ask, ask Ude. I say, Ude, help me change my oil. He said, okay, just give us 35,000. We'll, we'll go far. I didn't say, buy me cow. Change oil was what I said. Just do routine services. Come and say, ah, okay, just give me 35, me I hold. No, that's not the whole thing. You're not dashing with your home was salary with you. To, to serve it. And you have been, listen, let me just say about God. If you believe God for a car, when you have not that level, he will give you the car. And say, no, maintain it by yourself. You see some people that are very generous. They are not generous. What is happening is that they are, they are, they are it's deliverance. So the pastor will come to church. Today, somebody will plant a seed. The guy will put key down. <laughs> pastor will say that, man, these, these young people, they know how to sow. <laughs> Guys, I'm not sowing. I'm delivering myself. He went and gave me a Benz 550. And you do, boom, one gallon. <laughs> He said, Pastor, I've given it to you. I know what I've done. I've transferred my body. Cast your body upon the Lord. <laughs> I've cast it upon you. Please, pastors, don't discourage young people. Let them know there's nothing wrong with trekking. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Those days, I was, my wife and I were talking about it a few days ago. Those daily days of GSM in Nigeria. See young, young people looking for expensive phones. So I used to use a Nokia 3310. Not because I couldn't afford more, but I wanted to let all these jobless young men know I have work. I'm earning a good salary. Yet I'm using a 3310. So if you pray to, for God to give anything better than my own, he, he will punish you. He, he has to. He has to. He has to. Those who is giving regular income. I'm taking care of a wife, taking care of, 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 of a child. I can't was only baby that time. And I'm using this phone. If you go and pray for a true eye, you remember true eye? Because they just pray for a tribe. I'm not saying, I won't give you, just for praying for it. Just for, one of my friends has a brother. Got, meet my friend. He say, hey, my guy, what are you using? Uh, 3310. Mm, that's what you guys are still using. Man, this is how we roll. You show him in Samsung True Eye. Right? So my friend will say, okay, that's nice. That's a very nice phone. Yeah, man, that's how the big boys roll, man. They will not but now give me money for credit. If you give me 500. <laughs> my friend will actually call me. He say, Banky, what's wrong with my brother? He just showed off his phone to me. Then he's begging me that I should please give him money to buy airtime. May God deliver you in Jesus' name. Please, how did I get to that place? eh? I'm just telling young people, don't worry. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. No need to worry. No need for anxiety. Tell the person, don't worry. Really? And I'm saying ministers, please, make sure you, that's the kind of faith you build in people. I've heard ministers preach, I mean, those I thought it was faith, it wasn't faith. So I went there, they were selling the shirt for 15,000, I said, no, my faith can carry, that's the one I took. You don't hear me say things like that. Even if I bought it, I won't tell you. So I saw it for 15,000, I saw that one for, for, for 2,000, I said, no, my God is able. Listen, your God, eh? Let me tell you about the ability of God, in case you did not know. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what he said is this, 
I can wear a 200 naira shirt. I can wear a 20,000 naira shirt. Anyone available, I will wear it. To me, it's the same thing. How? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Bear it in mind. It is faith you use to buy cheap shirt. And when I told you I was soaking Gary in the morning, it took faith to say it. Faith gave me boldness. But you know, it's very good. Though. You know, it's good. Hey, God, may God help us to tell the truth in this life. Since then, I now have an army of Gary soakers in the morning. People are following me. In fact, one of our brothers came to my house and dashed me ground and said, Sir, this is for. I'm, tell- I'm not joking. He came to my house, dropped bottles of groundnuts. He said, Sir, to support the. <laughs> There's okay ministry. Ah, I saw comments on our uh, Mixler platform. People were commenting like, right on, Pastor. Ah, I just liberated people. If I come here every time, what I'm bragging to you is that, you know, if I don't eat Kellogg's in the morning, my stomach kind of send us, you know. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, God, I need to know where. I'm just warning pastors, please. Let your words build faith, real faith in people. Not covetousness. A lot of people have quoted their covetousness with Christianese. They call it faith. It's not faith. I've said to people before, listen, there are things you buy, you are paying small, small. God will command the thief to steal it. People will be buying perfume, paying small, small. You buy gold, you are paying small, small. You buy shirt, you are paying small, small. Let me just tell you, something's wrong with you. One shirt, I don't mean like... You bought for a whole family, and then you are taking care of everybody. But that's not what I'm talking about. I can understand that concept. But I'm talking about you just go buy one shirt. Next week, you give them another one five. End of the month, you give them another two five. What is, what is wrong with you? There are things you're not allowed to buy. Okay, it's like going to eat one meal, and you're paying small, small. Does it make sense? <laughs> Say, Madam, please, the upper head yesterday. This is 100 naira. I will give you. Won't you eat today? What does that mean? You just cut the thing down to the size you can easily afford. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Pastors, please, don't undermine people's faith. Because I've seen ministers do it, and it pains me. It pains me. The Lord is good. Let's get back to the thing I was saying. So what does fear do? Fear ensures that God can't bless us. So when he wants to bless, first thing he says, don't be afraid. Anxiety makes sure that we make wrong decisions. So for him to help us, he says, don't be afraid. Don't let anxiety stay in your heart. People say, I heard God speak. God said, no, I can't, you can't hear me clearly, except you eradicate these things from your heart. That's what I'm going to say. It's not about learning how to hear the Spirit speak. It's about making sure that there is no obstruction to the flow of the Spirit. Do you know why a lot of people can't be generous? It's fear. That's all. They are so concerned about tomorrow. There's a level of divine power that we are not able to experience because we have taken the care of our tomorrow into our own hands. That's a matter of fact. What am I teaching us today? We must learn again to eradicate what? Fear. We must learn to eradicate fear. Jesus came and said, do not be afraid. God will come again and again and say, fear not. Anytime an angel appears to somebody, the person is getting scared, he says, fear not, because if you don't stop, you to go away. The angelic visitation will end. So the angel will first say to you, fear not. And when he says it, what he's doing is releasing a spirit of confidence, wiping out fear out of you. 
That is the only condition under which you, you will be able to hear the communication of heaven. So he comes and says, fear not. And I'm saying to you again today, fear not. Remember what Satan does is to try and instigate fear. All the things are around. You know what I found out? Maybe we can even read it from here. Let's just read it. That's Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter what? Where we're reading just now? 14, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see now. Thank you. Let's back up slightly. From verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. They cried out in what? In fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 18. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat walking on the water and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, why did you come out on water? Don't you understand that human beings are not supposed to walk on water? Why laugh SD? Yeah, you are laughing because as ridiculous as what I said, all right, sounds, because you know the truth, that is what we say every day. You should not have done that. Doesn't realize it doesn't work. Jesus didn't say so. He said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I'm going to stop reading there. What do I want to bring up from there? The Lord was saying to us in effect, the reason why circumstances in life overtake us is not because they are dangerous or they are deadly or because they are not supposed to walk, is because we did what? We doubted. So if I'm walking on the road, and God doesn't want me to die, and somebody pulls a gun, shoots me point blank, and I'm injured, and I die, God won't say, why did he shoot you? He say, why did you doubt? That if he did not doubt, that bullet will have missed. It will have dissolved into air. It will have hit you and bounced, and will have given him back his piece of lead. It will never cross the Lord's mind to tell you that, I told you, don't go out when IPUB says stay at home. He, 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 I hope you are getting my point. He, no, he, he won't say that. He see, he's dangerous. You know, <laughs> actually, the other day I saw one man talking with a lot of zeal. Kai, there are times I see some things. I get on and I say, "God, please have mercy. May I not speak like this?" He was talking with a lot of zeal. How one man of God died, and he showed a picture of the man. The man did not go to have tests. Pastors, test your heart. Go for medical checkup. He said, This is another. He, he showed another picture. This is uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton had the same problem, but he tested and they did coronary bypass. He's still alive. Please, our men of God, stop dying. <laughs> Go for medical checkup. Do you know, I felt sorry for the man. It's what the Bible calls zeal without knowledge. Oh, he's a specialist doctor. So when I'm calling him a man with zeal without knowledge, I'm not insulting his medical knowledge. I'm, I'm saying that his spiritual knowledge is very defective. Jesus looked and said, he that believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And he wasn't talking about in the last day, because Martha misinterpreted too. Mary misunderstood. Jesus said, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. What keeps the child of God alive is not, the, you know, it's not those things. 
If Jesus blows on that heart, it will become clean. What I've told you is a matter of fact. Listen, I'm, I'm going to start teaching on it maybe in, in a short while. Because we have to, act, we have to learn. Because, you know, I've been meditating upon it. I don't know, but I can start talking about it now. But I'm just praying about it. Why do you think those men didn't know what we know now? And they live ten times as long. Well, maybe not literally ten times, but you, are you getting my point? Why? Whoever measured Jacob's blood pressure? Abraham, stay here. Give me your hand. When, when last did you check your cholesterol? Are you eating egg? <laughs> Abraham ate anything. You no know, people, you know, people who think that life is all physical. They now say, you see, we need to discover what they ate those days. We start eating roast lamb and milk, curds, curds of milk. That's what the very things we say we shouldn't eat now. That's what they used to eat. Curds of milk. It was food for them. Cheese. They ate cheese regularly. The everything they said, don't eat now. He said, he said uh, uh, you know, what you need to. Okay, if you want to go the way they went, you too. Drop your car and start riding camel now. <laughs> they, they want to make it look like they lived because they are. Listen, let me tell you what's killing the world today. Iniquity. Sin. That is what is killing people. Iniquity. As a society, we have denied God. So he has given us over to premature death. Listen, we need to learn to work with the supernatural. That's, one th- it's in my, that's what I want to start teaching on now. How I will just start talking about it. People think Adam was in the garden. Gathering, they say that men were hunter gatherers. Have you heard that thing before? When I see them teaching young people, I say, stop lying to them. Say so the agrarian age before the modern age, first age, age of agriculture, there was no agriculture, they were hunter gatherers. I say, who told you? From the very beginning, people were tilling the earth. God told Adam, guard it and keep it. He was an expert in horticulture. The moment he was created, first thing God taught him was how to take care of a garden. Agriculture was part of him. The moment they stepped out, they were into animal husbandry. And I said that they are hunter gatherers, nonsense. When iniquity has taken over people, they don't have brain again. When you weigh the brain of a stark sinner that doesn't know the Lord at all, and that of a baboon, the difference is not up to 5%. Telling you, if we keep on walking in sin, all this time, one day our brains will shrink. We are going there little by little, you, as human race. If God doesn't do something, after a few generations, everybody, baboon will, will be in one continent, human boons will be in another continent. You do yourself a point. <laughs> Listen, what am I going to explain? Jesus looked at Peter. A man walking on water. I know a little bit of physics. I don't know about you. Some of you ran away from physics classes, but I stayed. I stayed. I stayed. I know about bond between molecules. I know capillary action. I know, I know capillarity. I know all those things. And I know what they call surface tension as a result. Look at the way Anato is looking at me. I, you don't know I know it. You know I know it. You, you know I know it. I know how to calculate pressure. I know mass multiplied by acceleration due to gravity, which is what we call weight. It's a force. I know when you divide it by the surface area. That's pressure. I know how much pressure is required to part up water molecules. It's the reason why no human being on earth ever stands on top of water. The binding forces between water molecules cannot hold that amount of pressure. Nobody should walk on water. Nobody. Even if your name is Peter. Why should you walk on water? And you know Jesus knows all of these things. Yeah, he looked at Peter. 
He didn't say any of this nonsense I have just spoken now. <laughs> he just looked at Peter and said, why did you doubt? If you are in a plane, it crashes, and you die inside. As soon as you come out, Jesus will say, why did you doubt? He said, sir, do I look like Boeing? <laughs> Am I the one that manufactured the engine? It doesn't concern him. As far as he's concerned, if your faith was intact, you could have kept that plane afloat in the air. You would have kept it buoyant. You have dropped it gently on the field. That's how he reasons about life. Everything that doesn't go well in life, as far as God is concerned, why did you doubt? The why has many reasons. Now, you have to understand something about Jesus Christ. It wasn't like you you should not have doubted now. He said to Peter, go after now, go and pray, meditate. Where did that doubt come from? Because next time I say walk on water, if that thing is still there, you'll still sink. Walking on water is not a matter of Oboju. You know what they call Oboju? I shall not agree. No. Walking on water simply is because there's no doubt in your heart. So if there is doubt, Jesus said, why? Why is it there? What is Satan doing every day? To wipe out our faith with all the negative news. The other day, there was power grid collapse in Nigeria. Remember? You know, it was headline news everywhere. Every time you open the newspaper, you see it. Every time you will see it. Then they fix the grid collapse. Power generation went back up. Until in my house now, power is so constant. I know what? It's not in the news. Why should it be in the news? You don't know Satan is at work? It's not in the news. You know, you notice? It's not in the news. It's not in the news. You know, many people actually think that Nigeria is going back on a daily basis. You will be shocked. Now, I told you, for very small, this book, 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 book will come to an end. And when it comes to an end, you will be shocked at how much the country has gone forward. Were not for Ukraine, we would not have known that Nigeria could export fertilizer. Ukraine was a major, was it, yeah, Ukraine, and I don't know about Russia also. But these were major exporters of fertilizers. Then crisis broke out. You know where Europe turned to to look for fertilizer? Lagos. Some people are like, sir, are you serious? I'm very serious. I read the news on CNN and I think on BBC. It's a Nigerian billionaire to solve European problem of fertilizer supply. I was like, which Nigerian billionaire? Ah, I read it. Yep. Bro, Aliko. Do you know many Nigerians are not aware that that capacity is there? Why? Why should it boost your faith? They need you to be afraid. They need you to run. It's a spiritual thing. You know, the people doing it, they don't know. They just say that, no, good news does not sell. But these things are engineered spiritually to weaken your faith. You know, the way Nigerians talk sometimes, you know, I'm coming from somewhere, the person that I'm dealing with, two of them actually, they are Ghanaians. They came from Ghana for something. Yesterday night we were just yesterday evening. Also them in their hotel. And those of us, were, were, there were two Ghanaians and about five of us Nigerians. We were just talking with them. I know all of us, including me, they, okay, I had to pick the guy from the airport myself in the morning. And when they told me I was arriving yesterday morning, the first guy came on Sunday, second guy came on Monday morning. So I just, when I told the guy would arrive, I said, oh, any arrangement for, arrangement for pickup? So the first guy came and said, no, not yet. I said, don't worry, I will take care of it. Because he didn't understand my own issue that it's Monday. I know the issue we have around on Mondays. So I told him, don't worry, don't worry, I'll pick him myself from the airport. So Monday morning, I went to the airport myself to go and pick the guy up. So, of course, so he was not asking what's going on, what, you know, everything. We're not explaining the whole thing. You know, I thought they would be so curious to let us talk about Nigeria. Nalayo. They began to talk about the problems in Ghana. I was like, let's tell you our problems first. No. 
the guy was telling us how it's so dangerous to go out, how this is so risky now, how this road is not dangerous. They can just rob you, or they can kidnap you, or they can kill. Ah! I said, bros, do you live in Middle Belt of Nigeria? No, the guy lives in Ghana. You know, this kind of, so they just kept on going on and on and on. When he was young, I mean, they didn't, but now, if you then leave your door open, ah, those of you think you run away from Nigeria, that's what's waiting for you wherever you are going. Some of you ran to Ukraine. Now you are telling us to come and evacuate you now. <laughs> the strategy of Satan is to keep us afraid. Did you hear what I said? The strategy of Satan is to keep us afraid. The strategy of Satan is to keep us worried. He keeps on telling you why you should worry. And I'm saying to you today, you make up your mind, you will not worry. Do whatever you have to do to ensure you don't worry. Sometimes even have a fatalistic attitude. One day sister told me that she was always dreaming. I, I know, don't dreams there. Eh? Let me tell you how dreams work. Do you dream once in a while? You do. Have you ever dreamed that masquerade is pursuing you? You have not. Any day you dream it, when you wake up, ask, who am I owing money? That's all. <laughs> all these masquerades pursuing you is the people you took their money, you didn't give them back. Chicken. I hope you are getting my point. Don't let anybody tell you there's nobody in your village. Nobody. Next time you wake up, you'll say, ah, the money may not be big, but for the other person it is big. You think it's just 150? Now the guy, they pursue you. <laughs> Do you know how he's pursuing you? People are laughing. You all lie down at night and say, hey, what's your name? Miracle. Huh. Miracle. Okay. Say, now, Miracle just took my 150. It's not good, though. He woke up in the night. 150. Now Miracle just collect like that. He must give me back, oh. He must give me back. Then fall asleep, you get up again. What does that boy even think? He thinks I cannot collect my money. I will collect my money. God, you see, I will collect my money. All this one he say, it will come into your dream as a masquerade. <laughs> the guy doesn't have to go and do juju. This thing I've just said now, he let him just think it like that. Then you go, just, you go to sleep. Boom. Then you, just, you, you, you dream you are running. Ah, and then you run. Anytime you look, it's just behind you. Keep on running. <laughs> Wake up, give the guys 150. <laughs> masquerade won't pursue you again. A lot of these rubbish dreams we dream, eh? Don't let anybody come and uh, say, make, make, give me nonsense interpretation. Eh, most of them have no meaning. So this particular sister, I told her that she would dream. She dreamed that somebody snatched something from her. She dreamed that kineko, kineko, kineko. So you go and meet pastors. They now said that she's about to lose her job. So what will they do now? They will now tie the hand of God. You will tie the job. Tie the sacrifice to the altar. You've not heard those before? Yes, you have to try to sacrifice the altar. You will tie it. Say, God. The first, of course, in me that I'm preaching it, I'm, I will be the one to collect. The first salary, the next month's salary, you tie it. You come for prayer. You bring the money. It's a good job. They don't use, ah, they don't take my sister IC paper. Use her money anyhow. When God now introduced her to me, she looked at me and said, Pastor, I looked at her. I said, next time you dream those dreams, when you wake up, do the devil like this. You know what they call toying? I said, do the devil like that. They say, go and take it now. It's not my job you want. Take it. 
You know, that's the only prayer I pray for. I didn't counsel like you will say, in the name of whatever the Lord does shall be forever. If the Lord has given one day, hey, I don't believe that nonsense. He takes away the first to establish the second. He does that. So I don't understand all of these things. I said, you look at them. I said, you do like this. Mm. Satan, you want my work? Go and meet my MG tomorrow. Sit on my table. You know what? Because it's that fear that is necessary for Satan. And that's one thing you must say, I will not do. I, I won't give it to you. Satan, I won't give you that one. I will not give that one. I won't give you. I like one testimony Ken Hagen gave. He says he was having alarming heart symptoms. And Satan began to tell him, this time around, I'm not going to get healed. He said, he started laughing. He said, I was laughing like this. Ha, 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 ha. So I didn't feel like laughing, but I laughed. I deliberately laughed. Sometimes, listen, you know one thing Jesus said? I will paraphrase it. Worry can never remove the problem. That's what Jesus said. He said, worry will not remove the problem. Say what? <laughs> what does it make you laugh? All this one, I never do my medical checkup. I never, Jesus said, it won't make you live longer. The day you go die, that day you go permit. If you don't die from the heart you are checking every day, I will kill you by a road traffic accident. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, if that one doesn't work, you fall from a building. That's, the, <laughs> the day of death, I'm the one that determines it. So this one, you are running up at every part of in fact, let me just say one day. This, now, some of you will find this hard to understand, okay? But it really happened. He said there was this black woman. I think it's, it's American or Australian. Christian woman. She was 70-something. He said that woman was hot spiritually. That not, there was nothing you could do. She won't take it. That if you give her headache, the way she will go after the headache, she will kill the headache with her words, with her boldness of faith, with her prayer. The headache will run away. If she has heart symptoms, the way she will attack the heart, the heart will beat normally. If you tell her she's diabetic, diabetic is in trouble. She will kill diabetes with those things I told you. Boldness of faith, her words, and her prayer. That is, the woman was hot. And that God wanted to take this woman. He said, you know the only thing the Lord could do? I'm not the one that said it to you. He never said He said, he told boss to jam her. Did you hear what I said? Boss. He said, that's the only thing God could do. Because that woman, not yet we walk. <laughs> she said, boss, she didn't have time to prepare. We're just walking on the road. She just took a step. Boom! One boss jumped her. And she died like, oh, listen, huh? Just to kill you now with this. <laughs> now, some of you will find her to, but this is what Nebi Johnson said. He said, but the truth is that the boss never touched her really. He said, the, he said, half a split, he saw it, you know, in a vision. A split second before the boss hit, the Lord took her away. You heard the story. So, listen. All this run up and that will not prolong your life. If you want to live long, you know what you do? Ask the Lord about it. Like I said last Saturday, he's a giver of gifts. He's a giver of gifts. What he gives is gifts. <laughs> I will say this to surprise you. It's too surprise you've heard me say something like that before. Today. I've gotten to a point in life, I realize that there's nothing I want in life I won't get if I really want it. Yes, I've reached that point. That I've come to understand it. There is nothing. To buy a cheap plane, hmm, a good one, is $10 million. A good one. 
I don't mean the one you buy like that, your old Camry, you know, that kind of thing, to, to start your plane, everybody would push them for you. I've not seen <laughs> A good plane, you can get maybe slightly used for like $7 million and all of that, okay? But that's a lot of money. Let's just take the $10 million to make a calculation easy. How much is that in today's naira? Let's not talk about it so that we don't have headaches, all right? Let's just leave it. Okay. Do you know I have enough cash, both personally as a person, all right, and even Kingdom World Ministries, never seen a fraction, a tiny fraction of that amount of money put together. But you know, it has never crossed my mind that if I need a plane, we won't get it. If I need it personally, I will ask God for it. If Kingdom World needs it to move around, I will get on my knees. In fact, a few of I've recruited three people now who have joined in faith to collect one. I, those of you are angry. You know your problem? Between Okunano, you know, Ninth Mile, and maybe Agba and you know, that kind of, all those areas, your worker don't finish. Once in a while, you go abroad to nature. That is the only thing. <laughs> You are not going anywhere. So you don't understand why anybody flies anything private. Because my way is it in one year. Do I look like I have that money? I don't have that kind of money personally. But I found that God is a giver of gifts. He's a giver of gifts. The other two brethren I talked about, I talked with, all right, what happened was that I traveled, you know, last time I think was I went to Joss. Before that time I think I went to Sokoto. Before that time I think, I don't know which time I went to Medugri, you know, but each time you move, okay, in Nigeria, if you have to do a lot of traveling like that, the amount of time you waste at the airport sometimes is painful. The whole flying time, two hours. You spend it like nine hours on a two hours flying journey. You, know, you get my point? And when you have a lot to do, you know the airport, there's no bed to recline. You know, sometimes it can really, really, really be painful. That's why the three of us put us together and say, now, wow, is it too much self? For some people who really have work to do, like we have to do. Now, I, I don't travel so often, so that's why it's not up in my priority. But that time, it happens once in a while in my life. You know, just here, I'm not, sometimes you don't see me here for like a week. I've only been like two, three places. You know? But it's not very frequent. My friend, Pastor Courage, is on the, I think it takes an average of three flights a week. Going from one place to the I mean, when you pass on in Sokocho and Meduguri, what do you expect? We just talked about this since one day. Do you know the truth? All the men of God I talk with, in fact, okay, I'll tell you, one of them is Pastor Courage. I want the name of the second person. I'm not sure he wants me to mention his name. I know them, they don't have that kind of money. But when I spoke with them, I realized they had that kind of faith. So I just said, look, I think a time should come. Look, 10 of us just come together and believe God and put three planes down. 10 people, three planes. So that the pilots are busy, the planes are not ready. So just, all we just need is 12 hours notice. And then you have somebody to carry you somewhere. Now, it's a lot of money I know. I don't get that kind of money, honestly. If you say I see that kind of cash around me, you'll have been falling out of my pocket by now, you'll know. However, I realize that God gives gifts. My life now, I know if I sincerely ask him for it, what he'll just do is give time. That's the worst thing we do. If I say this to you to surprise you, he won't even say no. There are things that... He won't even say no. Just a bank, you wait. I'll just let me put some things together. Not for him, he doesn't have he doesn't have to be looking for money. Let me sit down and go to whether he has something to lend me. No, God doesn't do that. Put things together is in your own life. To put structure, put your head, put a lot, a lot of things together. 
and it's not a big deal. He can do it easily. He gives gifts. But I told him, it's simple. Ah, this, you, I go somewhere. One of the places that took me like eight hours to get there. All the hours I preached, maybe like three hours. And I'd reasoned. If I took off from Enugu to go to that place, maximum one hour, 20 minutes, we are there. The touchdown, tell the pilot, keep the engine running. I'm coming. Preach for two straight hours. See you guys next time. I do the same to another place. But of course, somebody that all you do is money shop money. You don't know why anybody is doing that. You say your shop money till night. You'll be like, why? That amount of money. <laughs> why I'm talking about God giving what? Gifts. He gives gifts. He gives gifts. I've realized he gives gifts. In the midst of trouble, he, he, he gives rest to his beloved. He can give you the kind of rest you will know there's trouble outside. You will fall asleep. You know, one day my wife did me something very strong, very interesting. Some people, I think they were shooting or something, I don't know, near my house or fight. But late at night, giddy, giddy, gah. so I got up, checked, and went and prayed, you know, moved around the house, made sure doors were locked. Finally, in the morning, I asked my wife, did you hear that noise during the night? She said, no. Like, what? Did you die during the night and you're just waking up? Because I couldn't understand how somebody wouldn't hear that noise. She said she didn't hear it. No, I was trying to explain. You must have heard it. She said she didn't hear it. Then she now said something which I never forgot. So okay, if I've heard it, what did you want me to do? What did you want me to do? To go and stop the people from shooting? After that, I'm not talking again. Because that answer, you answered it for me. She slept soundly through all the trouble. I hope you're getting my point. That's what God does sometimes. He will put you in the midst of trouble. He will you will sleep off. When you wake up in the morning, they say there was trouble. You say, eh. And God, you know why I didn't let you wake up? If I allowed you to wake up, you'll have panicked. If you panic and you emit so much fear, bullets will not pass through your window. Because fear makes people sink. You know the truth? That bullet wanted to pass through that window. But because of the confidence of faith that God gave to you that kept you asleep, it was diverted somewhere else. I hope you're getting my point. How do we handle fear? That's actually what I wanted to teach us because it's a matter of prayer. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Listen, you have to learn to ask God for things. If you need money, it's not time to go and get another, another job. It's time to get on your knees. The one you have now, be faithful, then get on your knees. Say, what do you need? Say, one million now. Look at your salary here. Even if I don't spend a couple for it for the next eight months, the one million will not be complete. I start calling your friend, please, do you know anybody that needs somebody, I want to leave you and go and get on that job? First, what are you doing? Go back to the one that gave you, be very, very faithful. There. Get, get on your knees and say to me, I need a million. Philippians chapter 4. From verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. He said, be anxious for nothing. It's an instruction. Be anxious for nothing. It's an instruction. What should you do rather? Now, listen to this. Anytime God says, don't do one thing, you know what he does? He tells you what to do. He doesn't leave you hanging with nothing. He will always tell you what to do. We said, get rid of what? Anxiety and fear, right? The same thing Paul is teaching us here by the Spirit. He said, don't have anxiety. 
do not be anxious about anything. If you are not going to be anxious about anything, then there must be something else you are going to do. New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Oh God, this is very practical. That's New Living Translation I just switched to now. It said, let me read the difficult one in my normal translation. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What's the first thing God gives you? He opens the door for his power to flow into your life. How does he do it? He says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing God gives you when you get into that prayer mode is peace. This is what I've learned. It has worked for me for many years. If something burdens my heart, sometimes I don't even tell my wife first. I won't tell her anything. You know why? I need a few hours to pray. And the one I found most useful now, yours doesn't have to be like this, just has worked for me. Is to go to bed early, then wake up during the night. By the time I want to now share the thing with my wife, maybe during the day, next morning, I'm already at peace. The situation outwardly hasn't changed. But I'm already at peace. Now, that peace is necessary for God to move. Without that peace, you can't walk on water. Without that peace, you can't endure the cross. Your name may be Jesus Christ. You cannot endure the cross. That was what he did in the garden. Prayed until peace came upon his heart. My, My own testimony, like I told you, I just wake up during the night. I just get on my knees there. And I pray. There are different ways of praying. Please. Okay, it's radio that I've been doing the recording. But you can, that's what we're here talking about prayer anyway. There are different ways. What I do sometimes, I just talk simply to the Lord. You know, I've told you if you are sick, eh? Talk, talk simply to the Lord. In fact, that's the one I want to advise everybody to do. This sickness one. Don't, don't do anything. I just talk simply. Lord, please. Anytime I wake up in the morning, there's this intense pain that comes in my chest. And I, the fear comes upon me that it's a heart attack I'm about to have. They said, just talk to him. Don't, don't, you, know, don't, you know the truth? Everything you are thinking, he knows it. He knows every bit of the thoughts you are having. So don't, don't pretend. Some people want to show God that they have faith. Trying to show God you have faith is a sign you don't have. The very place where you can misbehave is in his presence. I hope you're getting my point. Say it to him. What I want to say was make you laugh. Say to him, God, let me not lie to you. I'm afraid. Say, we're not supposed not to be afraid. No, we have come to give him the fear. When we come to him and say, Lord, let me not lie to you. I'm afraid. What you are doing is, you, are, you know, it's called confession of sin. Acknowledge your iniquity. You know it's not right. That's why you said to him, let me not lie to you. I'm afraid. Say it like that simply. I know I'm not supposed to be afraid, but I am. So, Lord, please, I want to beg you, help me remove the fear. Some of these habits we've learned in Pentecostal praying, they have turned to be unbelief. I'm sorry to say it like that. Lord, I want to begin to say right now, fear. (laughs) At 2 a.m., are you okay? (laughs) Do that one in church. You used to impress us, you're a prayer warrior. At 2 a.m., 
please get on your knees and say the way it is. God, I beg. You know, when I'm praying in church, I'd like to gyrate, but <laughs> the generation has not helped me. I say it simply. I don't want to die now. I've read my scripture that with you, nothing is impossible. The other day, I had Pastor Bangu was preaching, and he said, You give us long life. And he showed us the scripture. Open it to him. Lord, let me read it to you. You read it out to him. With long life, I will satisfy him. So it's because of this scripture that I really have come to pray. I know doctors say that's what they can do, but I don't want to go through this test and that test and somebody will be poking it all over my body. Please, that's what I'm asking you. I don't know what it is, but I know with you it's the same thing. Whether it's ordinary ulcer, ordinary I sprain my ribs, or it's my heart that's dying, everything, Lord, I just want to lay it down for you. So let me lie down so that your hand can touch it properly. Lie down there. I come to you not because of the good works which I have done, but because of the grace and mercy which I have in Christ Jesus. That's how you pray. If there are times, listen, this, this really happens. There are words you need to utter, you don't know how to utter them. You now hear what the Bible calls praying with groanings that cannot be uttered. You don't put it on by force, it will come out by itself. I hope you are getting my point. Say it the way it is. See, all those worries that have been disturbing me, just read them out. Say, Lord, you know, I was in one church the other day. They said, if my grandfather died before 60 and my father died before 60, it means I'm going to die at 49. Lord, right now, I'm 46, blessing at three years. <laughs> Cut to their calculation. But, remember, add the what? But, your word said, with long life, you will satisfy me. This is ancestral curses. But, I have read. That in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. I have read that in Christ Jesus, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, it can work in me. And it is working in me to give life to my mortal body. On the basis of these promises, Lord, I come to you today in prayer. Heal the pain in my chest. Know the truth? This costs nothing. If doctor will grab you to first decide what is wrong with you, 100K, don't go. One day, one of our brothers, was play, I'm, I'm sure he's listening to this. I said, oh, well, now your money, did they take to speedometer like this? Because the place they will go to, the test, they just, ah, they go to people there. Yeah. To ordinarily show your glucose level, they go take a plot graph. This thing has to go. They go take a plot graph for you. You know why? How will I charge you the money I'm charging you if I don't plot graph? When the brother showed me the things, I said, oh, boy. Now your money detects do speedometer like this. See graph, graph. You do, need to like you no, know, you know, uh, four gauge. <laughs> he said, "Oga." He told me the amount. I said, "Ah." <laughs> and I think there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing. So this pain that Jesus are talking about to investigate it alone, the money you will spend, and if they now tell you you have a problem, if they now refer you. They say go abroad. <laughs> Village land, don't go. And all of this can be solved with this hour of prayer. And listen, if you wake up next day, still there, go back the following night and pray again. Do it again. After I've done it three times, <laughs> I'll tell you something. Oh, many things to say. One of them, God will give you correction. He starts instructing you. It's one of the things that may happen. Sometimes you don't hear any instruction. You know what that means? God says, it's enough. You know what it means is enough? Go about your business normally. Ignore it. 
Yeah, God does that. He said, I believe that. So next time you come to pray, let's discuss serious matters. What are you going to do next in your business, in your life, in your ministry? ministry? What next I want you to be doing? That's what we're going to be talking about. I like Mary Kay's testimony there. She had arthritis. She went to the doctors. They said she had rheumatoid arthritis. Means she was going to get crippled over time. She said she went back to work and forgot. And the arthritis realized how busy she was and left. <laughs> I'm convinced she told the Lord about it. And the Lord took her mind off it. It's called the peace of God that passes all understanding. Let's rise to our feet. We have like 10 minutes to handle that. Let's rise to our feet. We want to grab the peace of God that passes all understanding. Nobody's shouting this time around. I really don't want any shout. They are going to talk just you and the Lord. If I were you, I would kneel down there. I mean, I'm not saying you must kneel just for privacy's sake. Kneeling sometimes gives privacy in one corner. Carry your chair, go somewhere. Just so that nobody can disturb you. We have a few minutes. Just take matters that have been giving you sleepless nights. You need money, they say you need another job. You need money, they say you need to travel abroad. You need No! God says if you need money, in fact, those who want to sit, you can sit. I just realized it. If that's what you need also, just solitude. You don't need to make noise. Talk to the Lord. Say it the way it is. Say it the way it is. Say it the way it is. They've been telling you about ah, something that will happen in 10 years. Say, Lord, today, can I talk to you about 10 years? Now, you don't want him to do anything for you in 10 years like doing it today. But you just want him to take the 10 years and put it in his heart. Put it in his own hands. You want to remove it from your heart. You don't want the trouble. Yes, just pray. It's just between you and the Lord. No shouting. Itemize it simply the way it is. Lord, I need to build this ministry this way. But if it's not important, please remove that idea from my heart. But if we have to do it this way, we'll need these resources and these resources. We don't have it naturally speaking. I don't have anywhere else to collect it from. But Lord, I can look up to you. And that's why I have come. Send us what we need. It's simple. Simple. You are my father. You know what he says? He knows these things even before you ask. He knows it before you ask. <laughs> I remember those days in Lagos. I look back now. Maybe it was a mistake. I don't know. But it's an interesting story. The Lord didn't let me walk. I finished NYC. The Lord said, no, no work for you. I was listening to the word. I was consumed with studying the scriptures. Of course, I don't know what I know now. I didn't know it then. After many months, after I listened to the scripture, I said, no, God, I need to walk. So then Luth gave me an appointment. But they said they were on strike, so we couldn't resume. So one day I came back from checking. No resumption date yet. And I go home. I said, Lord, I'm tired of staying at home. I need you to get me a job. The very, either that evening or the very next day, I said it to the Lord to the next evening. One brother, Augustine, that's his name. He walked to my house. He said, Banky, take this address down. I did. He said, go there. They need you. I told them you'll be coming. And that's it. I went there. They employed me on the spot. It took them months later before they asked for my certificate. In fact, they never asked. I was one that came to give them one day. Overnight, the Lord answered me. I still remember that day. I just said, Lord, I'm tired of staying at home. That's why I said, I don't know what that was a mistake that I asked that, but I just was tired. And I told him. And the next day, he said, yeah, okay. I know it was so good. He gave me a job to do only in the evenings. I reported in the evening, stayed there overnight in the clinic, closed in the morning, so I could still continue the studying of the scriptures, which is the reason why you are listening to me today. Commit your way unto the Lord. That's it. 
Cast your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you. He cares for you affectionately. Yes. Remember, he's a giver of gifts. It's not what you have labored for. It's not what you have labored for. It's not what, oh, oh, pray God that we understand these things. It's not what you have labored for. He's a giver of gifts. He's a giver of gifts. If you pray for something he's going to give to you, all he starts doing is preparing you to receive it. He's a giver of gifts. He's a giver of gifts. He's a giver of gifts. Cast your bodies upon the Lord. He cares for you. That's what he says. He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety upon the Lord. That was Peter speaking. He said, because he cares for you. And that's what we are doing right now. Just cast it upon the Lord. I want to read that portion from the new, um, from Amplified Bible. He said, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. That's second, um, First Peter chapter 5. I just read verse 7 in the Amplified Bible. He said, he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. There are things you are telling him. What he's going to tell you is that, look, don't worry about it. The world has put cares on your heart. You just remove the cares. You won't even solve any problem. You just remove the cares. But there are things that are legitimate needs. And he says to you, don't worry. I'll take care of it. So after today, don't worry about it. If it comes to your mind, rejoice over it. If it comes to your mind, rejoice over it. If it comes to your mind, rejoice over it. That's what he's saying. If it comes to your mind, rejoice over it. One more minute to discuss with the Lord. Please, if you don't finish this evening, you know what to do. When you get home, get to a corner. You can just continue. You can even enter your car, park in one place, and say, Lord, I need to talk to you. Talk to him like he listens, because he does. Talk to him like a father who loves you. Talk to him like a friend. Who, who is, that is, he cares about anything that bothers you. Speak to him simply. I am convinced this is our season of experiencing the power of God in our lives. Yes, it's our season of experiencing the power of God in our lives.